just walking around in some kind of fog. I think we're all on a trance. People are talking in symbols. Everyone's sort of floating through this fog of symbols and unconscious feelings. Hello and welcome back to the Lucid Dreaming Podcast. This is episode 4 and first I want to apologize for the long break I took between being sick and being busy. It seems life has started running faster than I do but luckily I always catch up eventually. So I'm back and uh, it's awesome that I get to record another episode. And this episode is going to be about brainwaves and this is a complicated topic but I'll try to cover as much as I can that I, I think is relevant and I also explain why I think it's important to understand it at least the basics and understand it a little better and understand how it relates in particular not only to sleep and dreams and lucid dreaming but to the practice of lucid dreaming and how it can help or might help uh, achieving lucidity just even by understanding some basic facts about brainwaves during sleep and you'll see what I mean. Uh, for some updates before I dive in to the subject, Kickstarter, as always, um, is, a, is a fine subject, um, and iWinks and the Aurora has, of course, successfully launched with uh, over 200,000, and uh, it looks promising and exciting, and um, I can't wait to see what they, what they end up doing with it. And at the same time, another Kickstarter campaign that I didn't talk about yet, that doesn't seem like it's relating to lucid dreaming, but I believe it does, also successfully funded, and that is the Open BCI project. And that is basically for a personal, you know, open source sort of um, head mount, uh, in a personal EEG that helps uh, uh, track and, and measure your brainwaves and report raw brainwave data live and there's all sorts of ways to interact with it but that's basically the same way or basis on, on the same thing of how the Aurora or the DreamNet headbands work they're based on uh, EEG reading and you know they use it to basically detect when you're dreaming and try to give you a signal but with the open BCI there's a lot more that you can do uh, potentially and this is very exciting of course I backed that too I even backed uh, the Muse which is uh, probably a simpler version of it slightly more elegant looking but that was more than a year ago I believe almost and it's, it still hasn't shipped but it, it it's also looking promising and that goes into a bio and more particularly newer feedback and I'll get to that in a minute so OpenBCI, I'll, I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes, um, looks, looks very exciting as well. and has a lot of potential, as far as I can tell. Uh, another little tidbit, and I'll, I'm going to write about it on the blog, I think. Um, I'm going to take, take my time and expand on it, but there has been a great article, and, and I'll link to it, about lucid dreaming and video games. Um, and there are more studies, and this is a, a, not the first one, but, but a more extensive one, 
um, that indicates that hardcore gamers have a higher chance naturally to lucid dream. And there's, you know, many reasons to that, but some of them are basically being immersed in this sort of virtual reality and games are getting more and more immersive not only do they look you know more real as graphics gets better but you know between the sound and the soundtrack and the size of the TVs we're watching on let alone when we start using devices um, that are more virtual reality like the oculus rift which are even more immersive from what I hear not only just the concept itself but I hear that the technology is really done well once those get into the market it's I think it's sort of in a way it's brain training for you know uh, awareness and is sort of semi altered states of consciousness which which you'll see what I mean when I get into the specific brain waves as well so why am I talking about brain waves and how does this relate so obviously the brain you know uh, works in I'm going to call it producing brain waves uh, is a, a simple way to put it. But the brain functions basically um, resonate in, in cycles. And when you're doing different things or different states of consciousness, different modes and times during the day, uh, you're basically producing different brain waves. And I'm, I'm going to try not to get into too many details. I'll, I'll give numbers and stuff like that. I don't know how, how much relevant it is. Um, but it's it's kind of fun to know. So let's let's take just generic examples from day to day life, um, and and they range from sort of uh, gamma and beta waves through alpha, theta, and delta um, brain waves. So most of the day you're awake, you produce either or both of usually alpha brain waves, which are more relaxed, and when you're focused or concentrated, um, beta waves when you're alert, when you're awake, um, high beta, which uh, basically is when, when you're anxious or agitated, when your mind is really start, start moving fast, and above that is actually gamma, but gamma is one of those strange ones. Um, gamma uh, seems to be occurring a lot when, I think, uh, sometimes, not, not not just feeling of euphoria, but but um, you know happiness, um, and and it's funny because it's kind of above beta, but it 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 behaves differently or it, it correlates to different things in our uh, brain activity. Um, people who exhibit compassion exhibit gamma waves. It's very interesting, um, and and again, this is there's so much we don't know, and this is a complex issue, and it's so much more nuanced than what I'm going to try to explain. Um, so take it with a grain of salt and, and understand that this is just broad strokes and, and broad concepts and what, and as far as I know, again, I'm not a neuroscientist, but if I wasn't a coder, I would probably be a neuroscientist. <laughs> That's uh, it's a strange passion of mine, and I think it's absolutely fascinating. And I think it's going to be, um, you know, getting more and more into people's hand and not just in scientific research or medical research and so on. So let's get back to brainwaves. Um, alpha, is, as we said, is more relaxed and concentrated. Um, when you are watching a movie or reading a book, you're probably more in alpha waves. And even when you're really diving into, um, when you're in a creative mode or 
like watching a movie and you forget about yourself, you forget about life and you're sort of sucked into the movie, that's when you start getting deeper into theta waves. Um, also, theta is when you start getting into theta when you're sort of drowsing it or, or start falling asleep. And theta uh, or middle or, or deep theta is when you start dreaming um, in, in some cases of, of sleep cycle. And delta waves is deep dreamless sleep. It correlates deep dreamless sleep when, um, you know, it's, it's a really uh, deep sleep. And the cycles are approximately, I think, um, one to three cycles per second for delta, four to seven for theta, eight to 12 for alpha, 13 to 30 for beta, and 31 to 120 cycles um, for gamma. Now, when, when you go to sleep, um, the various hours of sleep, basically the, there's a sleep cycle, and it's approximately 90 minutes each cycle. However, not every cycle is identical. And in fact, they're sort of a, usually, you know, barring some sleeping disorder, there is a progression and the cycles change from cycle to cycle in a very particular way. And there is different quantities of the, the, the different brain waves as the cycles go, go on. And this is where it starts relating more to not only sleep, but, but lucid dreaming. So when you start sleeping, you're going from awake and then you're starting, you know, you're probably tired or relaxed and you're, you're in alpha and you start falling asleep and it goes down into theta and then to deep sleep into delta and then back up, back into theta, through theta to alpha, um, don't believe you've reached beta, but I'm not quite sure. Um, and then it goes back down again, and each cycle takes about 90 minutes. Now, the duration in which you're in a uh, different uh, state changes on each cycle. So as you, as you sleep longer, as the hours of sleep go on, your uh, theta uh, usually increases, and delta, although delta kind of... Uh, shrinks towards the end, I believe. Now, REM sleep, when you hear about REM sleep, it is uh, a stage of sleep where, again, usually correlates to, to, to theta and usually correlates to dream. And it refers, obviously, REM refers to rapid eye movement. But it doesn't always mean that if you're in REM sleep, you are dreaming. So um, it does correlate for the most part, but it's not one-to-one. -one. It's it's not synonymous with, with dreaming, but I'll put it this way. All dreaming, I believe, occurs during REM sleep, but not always during REM sleep you are dreaming. However, again, as the hours go on during sleep, the later it is in the night, the longer your your REM segment is, and the more chances you'll be dreaming, and you'll have more dreams or longer dreams during the later hours. And this is important because if you're trying to practice lucid dreaming, then you know that you won't, as you fall asleep, you, unless you are really, really tired or sleep deprived, or you're falling back asleep at a certain point, then you're probably not going right into REM sleep. And that's important. And if you're, if you have one of those practices where you're waking yourself up on purpose, 
to go back to sleep and try to enter a dream, then you might want to do that later in the night and not very early. So there's more chances you'll hit REM sleep, there's more chances there, there's longer periods of time, it's sort of deeper sleep and you, you're, you're more likely to go back into a dream, for example. So let me talk about a little more about um, brainwaves. So this is, this is kind of cool because what people, I think, don't understand is, and again, the, uh, the brain and awareness and consciousness is complex, and we don't really understand it all that much. We're, in, we're learning more and more as we go. But, you know, science in particular is, is starting to dig further into it because it was always one of those things like, um, you know, our heartbeat that we thought was, you know, mostly out of our control. It's a mechanism that runs on its own. You know, the brain, just like the heart, it's one of those things that never stop. Even when you're, you know, there's no dreams, deep sleep, the brain still has activity. Even if it's minimal activity, it's still activity. But as, as more, more and more research started showing up on this, people who had a meditation practice started to get incorporated into these research. And now, I'm not going to go too much into meditation, although I do think it's important, but that's a whole other subject on its own. And Maybe I'll do an episode about that uh, f further down, and I don't know what your you know association or correlation is when you hear meditation. Some people think it's you know has to do with Eastern religion or Buddhism in particular, or just spirituality. Others know that it's just uh, a very technical in you know internal practice, but something that you know science for the past five or even ten years or more has really figured is tremendously beneficial to mental and physical health. And, and the benefits of meditation are starting to pop up more and more and more in science. So that's, that's fantastic. And that's why you're starting to see a lot of these devices coming out, like the OpenBCI or, or the Muse or the Emotive. And this is why there's a whole field of biofeedback and neurofeedback that is starting to come out for personal use because people want to sort of take control of not only being aware of their states of mind, but maybe even taking more conscious control over their state of mind, which is exactly what you're doing to a certain degree when you're lucid dreaming. You are becoming consciously aware that you're dreaming while in usually a state where you're not that consciously aware. I mean, you're, you're, you, you have the occurrence, it's, it's sort of happening to you, you're dreaming, but you don't even realize that you're dreaming. There's not that level of awareness. And meditators, long-time meditators, not only show more capacity of controlling their states of mind during the day, they also show it during night. So people who meditate on a regular basis uh, are more likely to lose a dream as well. Because what they're actually doing, or at least what is happening in some types of meditation, not perhaps not all of them, but some specific types of meditation, is you are, or, or at least what happens, maybe it's, I don't know if it's the, the purpose, but maybe it's a sort of side effect of what happens is that you're slowing your brain waves and you're going deeper into alpha and deep theta and deep even deep delta while still being awake and aware, which, you know, until people started doing research about meditators, they didn't even realize was possible. 
uh, we don't really exhibit delta waves while being awake. That's a sort of very rare kind of thing. And having the ability to purposefully control and do that yourself is quite remarkable. And again, phys physiological and psychological and mental benefits are tremendous, but that's even a whole other story. What you're actually doing is you're exhibiting both, and, and again, I can, I can link to one of my favorite videos, my, my favorite philosopher, <laughs> believe it or not, Ken Wilber, who just had a birthday, 65th birthday, happy birthday, Ken. Uh, Ken Wilber has a video where he's basically, you know, he's a longtime meditator, and he's basically connecting a, a somewhat rudimentary EEG, or at least back then it was, uh, EEG, and showing how, you know, while still being awake, you know, kind of sort of turns off his brain, quote-unquote, or still displaying, you know, only delta while being awake, which is quite, quite amazing. And, and this is sort of the self-control that you can, can achieve through something like meditation or through neurofeedback training, hopefully, that's something that we'll be able to achieve as well. And you're basically training your brain and training your conscious ability to stay, quote-unquote, awake or aware even during theta and delta, which happen in, you know, delta is deep sleep and theta is the general... Uh, brainwaves that correlate with REM sleep, which is when dreaming occurs. Another example of, uh, of what people use or do in order to achieve that uh, is something you may have heard of, uh, binaural beats. And it sounds like one of those things, again, uh, <laughs> new agey stuff or uh, sort of a technological attempts to get into that. And I won't give my judgment about binaural beats. Technically, what binaural beats are is um, audio that's played through earphones and there's a difference between the, the right side and the left side um, in terms of frequency and the difference between them what sort of causes the brain it's called entrainment and what it does it causes the brain to a way to put it is it sort of it can it can pull the um, it basically entrains the, the, the brain to uh, produce a certain brain wave, a certain frequency. The difference is what causes it. So if you start at a certain frequency and you, you then uh, lower it um, over time, let's say 30 minutes or an hour, you can basically get your brain, while again, while sitting and awake and listening to this audio, get your brains into um, deep alpha and then theta and then delta. And people are you know, promoting it or selling it as you know, meditate without effort so to speak, and whether it really does that or not, it does technically work in, in getting your brain to a, a deeper brain wave um, while just sitting and listening to it. What, you know, what the effects or benefits of that, that's, you know, debatable. It's not for me to, to really say. I think a lot more research should be done about that. But that's another example and another method or way to to try to you know, get into these states or train your brain in a certain way to produce these brain waves while still being awake. And that has the theoretical potential of, you know, helping induce lucidity if we either can train the brain to do it or find a way to do it while in sleep. Although, you know, you don't really need to entrain your brain, you know, to get into delta. Just go to sleep. Believe me, it will get into theta and delta. 
But you see what I mean. There's all these various ways and there are various technologies like neurofeedback, again, to get the brain to do something that we want. Uh, but I believe that, that training the brain to do it on our own is a, is a much more powerful thing. See what I'm, where I'm getting at? So this is, this is quite fascinating uh, to me very much. And this is why a lot of people who do sleep research, you know, sort of hook themselves up to, to EEG and other, other types of, of readings. You can, you know, you can read just, um, you can detect just the eye movement uh, in particular, or just muscle tension and other things like that. So, you know, eye movement can be detected through an accelerometer or other, other ways as well. But the brain waves in particular indicate something. And what happens, what you actually see on an EEG when you become, when somebody becomes lucid, is that they're exhibiting, they were exhibiting, let's say, uh, theta, theta waves, theta brain waves. And then they're exhibiting alpha or even gamma waves. While suddenly when, when they, you know, right before and during uh, lucidity in dreams, which indicate, again, they correlate, these correlate to um, sort of conscious awareness um, and really indicate this is one of the way that they proved that lucid dreaming is a real is a real thing together combined with showing the rapid eye movement and you know kind of a, a predetermining a certain sequence of eyes so you know most of you probably know that Stephen LeBurge is, is famous for uh, scientifically uh, proving that lucid dreaming exists through an experiment where the subjects who were inducing lucidity in a dream had a predetermined sequence of eye movement, like let's say left, left, up, left, right, right. And when they are dreaming, they are moving those eyes and, they, and the, the eye movement correlates to actually what you're doing in the dream, which is kind of amazing. You know, through showing through the EEG that they're actually asleep and they're actually dreaming and still doing the sequence that was predetermined that was the proof that they were really conscious in doing this on purpose. Uh, and the, the experiment was repeated. In fact, actually, um, Keith, Her uh, Keith Hearn, um, less people know of it because he's less famous for it, but sort of had the same experiment uh, and some proof of concept a couple of years before uh, Stephen LeBurge. They're both sort of the, 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 it's one of those things where science happens <laughs> corresponds in different places by different people. It's it's one of those effects that, that occur. So this is something that is worth becoming sort of aware of and thinking about, um, whether you're doing a sort of regular practice of lucid dreaming or you're looking into, you know, using a, a device, a headband, or starting to practice either meditation in particular or neurofeedback through you know, and uh, just a straightforward EEG device. And I think this is going to get more and more sophisticated, more and more refined, and we'll have basically devices that help us not, not just induce lucidity for us. I, I, I don't think that, I don't know, maybe in the future somebody will come up with a way to just, poof, make you uh, a lucid dream. I don't know if there will ever be a true, you know, lucid dreaming pill, but maybe through transcranial stimulation, which is putting electrodes that are sending a current externally from, you know, the scalp, uh, through the scalp to the brain to specific areas in the brain that might trigger something. 
Although that's a little still, you know, in its infancy. This is uh, kind of dangerous territory for now because, again, we there's so much about the brain that we don't understand. But things like that might help us. But I believe that neurofeedback will allow us direct correlation because meditation, the thing about meditation that I, I find tricky, and I've been meditating for five or six years now on some, some regular basis, and has tremendous benefits to lucid dreaming as well as just general life health and all 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 its various uh aspects but meditation is something that you you don't you know for at least for a long time or without guidance you don't really know what's going on still in your mind you might feel like you're getting into a deep state or even an altered states of consciousness but you don't really no, and there's no way for you to measure what is going on. Now, with neurofeedback or with an EEG that, you know, let's say displays data either after the fact because it's registering the, the brain waves or in front of you on your, you know, smartphone screen, it's displaying your current state or your, your brain waves, very much like what the DreamNet is, is, is planning to do, although, of course, the, the idea is to go to sleep with it, but you can actually put the Dream dream that um, band on your head while you're awake and and look at your brain waves which is very very cool so this is basic uh, EEG device in a sense with a few electrodes I think the Muse has five electrodes the emotive has six or seven open BCI I'm not quite sure but also probably seven or even more there is I mean there are some medical grade devices that has like a cap on your head with 20 or so or even more electrodes to, to measure different areas. So again, this is not like one brainwave is one type of thing and it's there's, there's a lot of aspects to it. But with something like that, we can basically start quote-unquote practicing a sort of meditation to, I believe, not only see what is happening in our brain in different states, but to practice a combination of a deep state that correlates to dream, let's say, you know, data brain waves, something like that, while being awake and while being aware, which is often what, what happens basically in lucid dreaming. You're cultivating these two states of consciousness at the same time. And I believe that once we start doing it very actively, this will increase our ability to more naturally, more easily induce lucidity in dreams. And again, this is a very rudimentary introduction to brainwaves and sleep. Again, the, remember, this is this is so much more nuanced, and there's so many other aspects to it. Actually, let me let me take a couple of detours to talk about things that relate, not particularly just to, to sort of brainwaves, but to sleep and dreaming. Um, you know, there there's a lot more that's going on, like um, change in body temperature, heart rate when you when you start dreaming or you go into REM sleep. Your heart rate goes up, and brain activity, of course, as well, goes up. The the way the brain waves don't necessarily correlate, or there is a correlation, but it doesn't. There is no one to one. You can't extrapolate necessarily from brain waves which areas, segments of the brain are active. So obviously, you know, there's you know, many uh, parts of the brain. I'm not going to go into that because that's really a sort of deep dive, which I'm probably not qualified to, to speak about uh, into specific of details but there's different different areas of the brain that, that start working together with that there's different physiological things that happen so 
For example, I'm sure many of you know about sleep paralysis. And sleep paralysis is just a, a very clever function of the body that occurs when you go into this phase of sleep to prevent you from actually moving because in dreams you are starting to move around. You, you imagine that you're walking, that you're running, that you're jumping, kicking, and, you know, punching, whatever else you might do. And if it wasn't for sleep paralysis, you'll actually physically do these actions because as far as your brain concerned, you're actually doing all of this. So what the, what the, the brain does, it shuts down, literally paralyzes the body uh, and everything except for, let me put it this way, it paralyzes all voluntary muscles, things that you can choose to move, you know, like your hands, your feet, and so on, and, but keeps going all involuntary muscles and activity, internal organs, and so on. But everything except the eyes. So the eyes, again, the eyes keep moving, and those, those are the rapid eye movements that correlate to our actual movement in your dream, which is, again, to me is, is amazing. And a sleep paralysis, uh, when you think about it, part one of the sleep disorders, for example, when, when that process gets a little skewed is when people sleepwalk and actually get up and move and do things during their dreams. Of course, sleepwalking is something that also happens during the end of delta brainwaves or a deep sleep stage, but that's, again, different story, and there's a lot of nuances, different cases, and different sleep disorders. But other things that are important to know in this sleep cycle, people talk a lot about supplements, and melatonin is, is an example. Melatonin is something that your brain um, your brain produces naturally. It's it, it, it's uh, what regulates sleep in a sense. It helps you both fall asleep as well as um, help you sleep better and does many other things that I don't understand enough. But it's very it's very crucial for sleep. And what requires for the body to start producing melatonin? People say, "Oh, let me take melatonin. I'll sleep better. I'll have you know more vivid dreams and so on." Before you run and take melatonin, uh, or anything for that matter, supplements, uh, natural or otherwise, uh, realize that melatonin is something that your body's supposed to produce on its own. And if it's not producing enough, there's different reasons for it. And, you know, uh, it's probably not, most, most likely, not a chemical imbalance. Again, I'm not a doctor and this is not medical advice, but if you think about it, melatonin is produced when it starts getting dark outside. However, we keep the lights on until we go to sleep. We keep staring in bright, colorful screens with lots of light straight into our eyes. And then, you know, we're many of us are on our phone or tablets or computers or TVs right until we go to sleep. And that's kind of a problem because the brain doesn't start producing melatonin or not as much, not as easily, you know, until it's dark, which is another reason, by the way to try to create a sleep condition where it's really, really dark. Like, close the blinds, close the windows, turn off lights. As dark you, as you can, you'll sleep better because your brain will produce more melatonin or at least the, the proper amount. That's another reason why, you know, I, I say before you go and, and take a supplement like melatonin, uh, you, don't wanna, you might not want to do that um, because if the body gets used to an external source of melatonin, then it relaxes its need to produce it on its own more often. So you don't want to get you know dependent on that or something like that. But if you do things like 
before you go to sleep, at least, you know, 30 minutes or an hour, start turning more lights off, get getting the room darker. Uh, maybe instead of watching TV or being on your phone or on your computer, you know, all the way to the minute before you go to sleep, you can take the last 30 minutes to read a book. It's still, you know, an effort to the eyes, but the book doesn't produce lights, you know, straight into your retina. So that's one thing. If you're using a computer, there are programs like Flux, F-L-U-X, I'll link it as well, um, that as the time goes by during the day, it is reduce, it reduces the light uh, on your screen, or, or more particularly, it changes the, the light uh, temperature and to a, to a temperature that is, you know, is more conducive to your eyes adjusting to darkness, um, and it will help you, you know, start producing melatonin because it gets dark and it doesn't doesn't combat that that effect, and you'll fall asleep better. You'll you know, and you'll sleep better during the night. So it's before you take something like melatonin, help your body do it naturally, uh, and go back to doing naturally more properly. And you'll you'll most people I talk to feel the difference once they start making these small changes. So again, all these things that are conducive to better sleep are more likely to produce better and, and longer dreams, and which in, in turn is more likely to produce uh, higher chances of achieving lucidity during longer REM cycles, later in the night, um, and you are, again, if you're sleeping better, you're more likely to induce lucidity. So... I think that's a, again that's a, a good a good place to stop as any because I can dive into all these sub subjects uh, very easily and you you won't get me to shut up so <laughs> enjoy enjoy it while I'm I'm willing to stop and and I can get into these you know subjects in in uh, further episodes and if you know, if you have particular things you want me to to cover or even research. Uh, believe me, I'll, I'll dive into it uh, happily. So hopefully that that helped you or gave you a, a nice kind of overview about brain waves, the cycles of sleep, and how they sort of all correlate. And um, if you want me to talk more about meditation, I can. I know that some people are iffy and some people don't like when lucid dreaming conversations sort of dive into more of the spiritual side or philosophical side. I'll leave that for for later, and when I when I speak about meditation, at least I, I talk more in the technical term and scientific things that we do know for a fact and the actual effects on the brain and brain waves and sleep and lucidity. So again, I hope that's helpful and not confusing in any way. But feel free to send me any questions or if you need any clarifications about it. So that's it for this episode, and thank you again for joining me. If you have any questions, suggestions, or feedback, you're welcome to contact me at lucidsage.com or find me on Twitter at TheLucidSage. Thank you. Sleep well. Sweet and lucid dreams.